virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a pitch and off the pitch lots to do before the end of the transfer window we try and sort it out from goalkeeper to forward from manager to owners to money to whoever it's all a little bit wrong let's sort it out it's a foxy Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and Rob, who was at the King Power actually against Southampton, I was not. So you've got uh, kind of the more accurate line on that game, as it is with most things, Lester, when it comes to me and you. Uh, how are you? Don't put yourself down, Pete. People tune in for our opinions 50 50, I'm sure. Uh, I'm all right. I'm not bad. I know what people are, are going to expect from this podcast today. You tweeted it. You tweeted the main theme of the podcast is everything's okay. If you've tuned in expecting an hour of Pete and Rob saying everything's okay, as we try try to steer towards by the end of each episode, then I, I think from the little tiny chat we've had, Pete, before we switch the microphones on, I think they are sadly mistaken today. Yeah. Um, I've uh, I've got no notes. I've got no nothing. Um because I think at this stage, there's no real point in doing that because nothing is is black and white when it comes to what's going on at Leicester. Everyone's got their opinion. And I've slowly kind of moved towards the dark side. Now, instantly people are going to go, oh, that means the Rogers out brigade. Not at all, because it's not as simple as that. Is Rogers the main factor in why Leicester have started poorly? Absolutely not. Is he a passenger? Is he, is he a victim? of what's going on at the football club regarding signings. And I think we all are. And I think the football club is. I think the owners are. And I think the players who will possibly be sold and then some who want to be sold kind of also are in a strange way. And we'll come on to all of that. But I think overall, obviously, we've got through against uh, Stockport in you know in penalties. Very underwhelming performance. You're getting sacked in the morning, cries, which I heard, and then I thought was basically <laughs> the home fans. It turns out no, it was it was some a uh, group of city fans and that, and um, and yeah, th- there's there's big issues there, and there's and it, it ultimately whatever happens at a football club, if there's bad, if there's things going on behind the scenes where people aren't happy, where um, and that's not just players, that's management, um etc frustrations at boardroom level uh, no players coming into a club then essentially it always will manifest itself on on the pitch at all times and it, people again just need to just check themselves and remember you know football they're not entitled to win every single game and you look to and I, I've just finished the highlights Rob of Southampton's win in the League Cup at Cambridge and they're they're a fully committed side Southampton they're not the greatest but they've got some good young players there and and they're trying to build something again and then obviously they'll lose a few players and and that's the way Hassan Hoodl you know is having to do things there and I think that commitment is something that we're obviously at the moment lacking and even if it's in one or two percent once we go in front it will show 
the squad balance overall really is a bit of a mess. That we know about the transfer window, that's not going in our favour. There's problems obviously with the manager as well because he's ultimately very, very frustrated in what's going on in the transfer window. You can metamorphize that in in one person and that's Wesley Fafana which is ultimately very disappointing the fact that we're not really going to have this player at the football club I think the stance from Rogers and the football club on his value is great and if he's going to be in the under 23s fine not a problem and Chelsea going to have to pay the money offering 60 million quid up front and then 10 million in what was called unrealistic add-ons i.e. they weren't they were never going to be reached so it's probably winning the Champions League six times and we'll give you an extra couple of million. No, 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 that's that's not good enough. So I don't mind that at all. I know what people say, oh yeah, get rid of him because he doesn't want to play here and we need the money to the... Yeah, but you've got to do it sensibly. You got to, If you value the guy 80 million quid, you get 80 million quid and that's up front, none of this if he plays 500 games. So overall, there's a lot of problems there, uh, including the away kit launch as well. Let's get to the main crooks of things. So... Yeah, it's not great, is it, Rob? As much as we kind of look at it from, you know, kind of a positive angle, the first team's obviously still going to be good. There's good players at the football club, etc., and all this. And hopefully, at the beginning of September, once the council have their kind of um, their conversation, why it's taken so long, God knows. The, the the fact that the council at Leicester they've dragged their heels with the football club and been uh, in the way of the football club for as long as I've been supporting for the last 30 years from what I've I've known with them it's been they've been anti almost the football club so anyway that hopefully will get some something sorted regarding the ground but yeah it's not great but as we said last time Rob things will look a lot different on September the 1st after the transfer window closes hopefully for the better I think so yeah the uh, the main word I would use to describe everybody's feelings at the moment, whether you're a, a supporter, whether you're a staff member at the club, whether you're a player, is unrest. Nobody's currently sitting there feeling really kind of comfortable or confident or particularly positive because there are so many question marks. There are so many uh, things that haven't happened that we wanted to happen. Uh, and we said in, in our summer preview podcast, or, or I certainly said that, the you you could wash away all of the fears and frustrations of the fans with a couple of positive performances at the start of the season. You know, there was literally very little reason for us to do a podcast throughout the entirety of the summer break because nothing happened. And that was making Leicester fans feel a bit uneasy. The way that you allay that kind of frustration is by putting in some if you want to borrow the phrase from your description of Southampton there, putting in at least some committed performances. And in an ideal world, picking up more than one point and a penalty shootout win over a League Two side. That you know, We needed a better start to the season for maybe a few players to think, oh yeah, you know, you know what, I will stick around here, it's a good place to be. We needed a good start to the season for the fans to go, actually, you know what, we haven't signed anybody yet, but this window's still open. We've had a few positive results at the start of the season. OK, I'm going to get behind the team. You, We needed a good start to the season for Rodgers to go, all right, I've not managed to, to bring in the players that I want 
my hands are tied. I've got nothing to do with the finances. Uh, but the lads on the pitch are, are turning out the performances. They're behind me. Everybody's going in the right direction. Um, I'm feeling confident in my job. The problem is, we threw away a two-goal lead against Brentford. We failed to capitalise on momentum in the Arsenal game and got absolutely torn apart at times. We were very, very lethargic and apathetic against Southampton. And we drew nil-nil after 90 minutes against Stockport, regardless of what the starting lineup was. So the positive start to the season on the pitch hasn't been there. Yes, that is affected by the things that are going on off the pitch but the only place at the moment where things can be lifted and and can improve everybody's moods and feelings and and sort of wear away a bit of the frustration is on the pitch and I think adding to the fans frustrations is there's there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of individuals or groups of players on on the pitch wearing a Leicester shirt who look like they want to grab a match by the scruff of the neck and go you know what yes, X, Y and Z's happening behind the scenes, but we've got a football match here to win and we're going to go and do our best to win it. I'm not saying they're trying to lose matches, that's not what I'm saying, but nobody is there from what I've seen so far, and I know we're only three Premier League games and a League Cup game in, but there's nobody there that's showing me that they particularly have the guts and the leadership, if you will, to drag Leicester to a positive result. That's that's ultimately the only place where things can change at the moment because the financial situ- situation will not change until there is a big sale at the club. I think I think the fact that we are so close to the end of August now and that nobody's coming apart from Alex Smithies has proven that. And you know what? If nobody comes in or out between now and the end of August, 1st of September, you want everybody in the club, including the fans, to hit the reset button and say, OK, this is what we've got. This is where we are. And these are the players that will take us through to at least January and everybody's got to pull in the same direction. At the minute, we're still very much in limbo, aren't we? Very much so. And a lot of clubs are. There's the obvious settled clubs who have done their business early because they could do, but it's it really has hampered Leicester, this transfer window carrying on and on and on. And I know supporters will easily be able to turn around and say, well, we should have we should have got rid of these players early if they want to leave. That's not the way of football, is it? It doesn't work like that. And if the bids haven't come in for the likes of Yuri Tillemans, which by the sounds of it, it hasn't, and also then the bids come in for Wesley Fafana that are not acceptable for the football club, then that's, again, I, I applaud that. The The overall problem is you, you look at it and you go, well, on the actual field, on that 90 minutes, when you're in front, there is enough experience in this side to not hold on to victories because no club, even if you're one or two nil up, you know, should automatically be given the three points. But in, to not collapse in the way that they have, it's been very, very disappointing. And dif- disappointing, obviously, from the bench. The way that it seems that the football club has been on the field, dictated by one player, which is Harvey Barnes. If he's not there, it seems to be a little bit of a mess in terms of what formation and in what team is going to be picked. But more than that, once we get past the hour mark, it all kind of falls apart. There's no shape or any idea, roughly, of what's going on. And then when he does come back in the team, the same thing then happens. And it's you can't, you can't play that way and you can't play. And also the fact that we have a system that basically has two wingers 
yet we've only got one at the football club. That seems to me completely bonkers as well. And again, the way that Rogers has said that there were players identified and conversations were had and it was kind of ready to go and then all of a sudden we've got no money to spend on them. Well, maybe the fact that there would have been one or two wingers and that, you know, I'd imagine that would have been the case. So again, then then you look around and go, well, whose fault is it? Is it Rogers' fault? I think it's just everything at the moment. And I don't like I don't like the the chance of Saturday in the morning. You can do that if you want. No worries. You know, these are fans who have gone to an away game at Stockport. Brilliant. Um I, I don't like that at all because I think it's still way too early. Don't get me wrong, if by the end of August, September we haven't won a game and the transfer window's been a bit of a mess and it's nothing's improving, then things will have to happen. And happen pretty quickly and it could even be the case that Rogers decides as well there's an amicable kind of conversation between the football club himself and go right we've gone as far as as I think I can take them we've had a great time been very successful let's kind of part our ways who knows but the squad is very very disjointed there's obviously huge holes that need filling and we we can only do that once these players go I hate what Fafana's doing. Now, if he wants to go, fine. Every player, you, you ask every single player at the football club, bar probably Jamie Vardy, and say, would you go to another football club, especially a big one like Chelsea, you're going to pay you a fortune. I think virtually every single player will say yes, um, apart from Vardy. And that's fine. But when you're Fafana, and let's just lay it out there on the line, you had a whole season off because you got badly injured. You came back, you signed a five-year deal in what, March? Okay. And then it seems very, very obvious, and it's been made public plenty of times, that in that deal, there was a kind of gentleman's agreement that next summer you can go if a value or a club comes in with an appropriate bid. And then all of a sudden, Chelsea start poking the nose around saying, we want you now and he goes I want to go and doesn't turn up for training one day slightly down tools it's not not quite an airport job but it's it's looking bad for him every day is looking bad for him where's the where's the statement from him going I'm going to play for Leicester City Football Club until uh, an appropriate bid's been made that's accepted by the club and then we'll see what happens but until then I'm a fully committed player for Leicester that's all it takes a, a, a paragraph and then you play football not not this. This this does you no favours. Uh, ultimately, it does the club no favours because if he doesn't go, Chelsea could turn around tomorrow and go, do you know what? We ain't going to pay that sort of money. We'll come back maybe next year. And Fafana sat there going, oh, crap. What, what, what have I done? Why didn't I, just me- why didn't I just play along with things? I don't, un- I don't understand it. I just, I don't. So, end of the day, can I see Fafana turning up for Leicester on, on the first game in September? Of course I can. And there's going to be a weird reception. But if he plays well, we kind of go, okay, fair enough. He wants to leave, but he's here now. We've had Riyad Mahrez in that situation. So that's a rod for his own back. Look at Yuri Tillemans, the way he's conducting himself. Older player, you know, seems a very sensible person. Obviously wants to further his career in another football club. But playing this season, playing okay. And we'll wait and see what happens. If a club comes in and he goes, great, fine, you've been a brilliant player. But at the moment, he's playing... And even more, was it the armband yesterday or at one point um, when All Brighton went off? So that's just not good. But I do like the stance of the football club. I, I don't know whether you would, would differ from that. I'd imagine you probably won't, Rob. 
No, I'm I'm quite proud in a way that Leicester are standing up to the the bigger financial clout of Chelsea, and yes, we are aware that in virtually every win- transfer window in the last few years, there's been some kind of big sale, hasn't there at Leicester, and that's enabled whoever was in charge at the time to bring a couple of players in, two, three, maybe, um, and you have we have to understand that I don't. I don't ever see a point where Leicester City is the most attractive club in in England or in the Premier League. Look, these clubs like Chelsea, Manchester United, that they've got long established um, reputations. They've got millions of supporters worldwide. Uh, their commercial interests are much higher. Their attendances are higher. Every you know everything about those clubs is bigger. Um, and we have been in a very enjoyably privileged position in the last few years to be up there contesting on the football pitch with them and yes we can we're closer to contesting off the pitch in terms of the the training ground um and the kind of atmosphere at the club if you take out how we're feeling right now but generally the sort of family nature of the club that a lot of players talk about but ultimately we can't and I don't ever see Leicester being in this position to to guarantee that there will be real genuine opportunity to challenge for major domestic and European titles every year. Uh, and and that's, that's the fact of the matter. So when you say there that every player in the squad apart from Vardy would, would absolutely consider a, a bigger club, you're absolutely right. That is, that is football. The, the average um, span of a career for a professional footballer is not very long at all. Uh, and they want to go and win as much as they can and play at the highest level, test themselves against the the best opponent. Why would you not want to do that? Of course. I think the frustrating thing, well, I know for me the frustrating thing with Wesley Fofana is is exactly what you mentioned about the contract. Signed it in March, uh, spoke of his love of the club, uh, of how well they've looked after him, how he feels at home, how you know he's just so much, he's just enjoying being back on the pitch for Leicester, blah, 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 blah. And some of that, of course, is saying what people want to hear. Of course it is. And But I don't think he was lying at the time. I think he genuinely believes it. He doesn't have to say in that statement, P.S., I'll go if someone big comes in. But that agree- I, I find I, the, the club will not have written an agreement into the contract in March to say this summer, if a bid comes in of X amount, you can go. I just can't see that that, that would be the case unless they pushed through the contract extension in March um, to make sure that his price tag goes up if there was a certain bid this summer. I don't know. But, you know, for me, financially and, and from a business point of view, it wouldn't make any sense. You're Wesley Fofana. You've played, what, one full season, two full seasons as a professional? You, you For me, if I'm in this situation, I get my head down. I say, right, acknowledge the interest from Chelsea. I say, right, thanks very much. That's nice to know that a big club wants me. You speak to the club, uh, to Leicester, and you say, look, all right, if Chelsea come back in next summer and I've had a good season, uh, this might be my last. Okay, and we've got that written into the contract, no issues. And then you get your head down and you be the best player that you can possibly be for Leicester City, the club that you profess to love so much, the fans, the players that you profess to uh, enjoy the company of so much. And you have a great season for Leicester. You help them finish in the top eight. You then say, right, 
I've I've put myself in the shop window. And probably, if he has a good season, he ups his transfer fee even more. That helps Leicester out, the club that he claims to to feel like he owes a bit of a debt of gratitude to as well. Um, I He hasn't, from all reports that I can gather and from what, what Brennan Rodgers has said, he hasn't just down-tooled, cleared off, gone AWOL, or walked into the manager's office and said, I'm not playing. That's uh, That's not my take on things. Rogers has called it an open conversation. He's realised he's a bit sort of distracted. Uh, he has missed a training session. Whether that was Rogers saying miss one or Fafana saying, can I have today off? Or Fafana not turning up. We don't know the intricate details. or certainly I haven't read them. But I think it's just a conversation where he's like, my head's all over the place. And Rogers has said, well, you're not going to play then for now. And then it may well be September the 1st. Chelsea don't come back with another bid, which is, you know, what what is starting to come out of today's um, turned down bid, that Chelsea might not come back again. They might not want to to have to push it to near the the Harry Maguire mark. And then on September the 1st, he's like, you know what? OK, I can't go to Chelsea. I'm a bit I'm a bit annoyed. I would have gone if you'd have accepted a bid. But truth of the matter is, here I am at Leicester and I'm going to turn out for Leicester. And if he does that and he gets his head straight, then I, d- I think it will take a few games, but I don't think most many Leicester fans will have an issue with him coming back into the team. You, you can't let him wallow in the under-23s as a punishment because his worth then goes down and down and down, and then you really struggle to sell the player. So he's he's got to do what Yuri Tielemans has done. Yuri Tielemans has got to put an arm around him and say, look, I wanted to go this summer as well, you know, this is theoretical on September the 1st if Tielemans hasn't moved on either. And he says, but look, we're both here. We're going to be miserable if we're not trying our best for the team. Our teammates are going to shun us. The fans aren't going to get behind us. Life is going to be quite difficult on a football pitch if we don't just pull our socks up and get on with it. And then maybe we can have another look in January. And then you might find out that later on in December, Fafana's head starts getting turned again and you start having a few more games off. But look at the desperation we got at centre-back because Amati is, oh, he's not had a good couple of games. Suyuncu's clearly out of favour. Vestergaard we've discussed at length on this podcast. We need a mentally stable Wesley Fofana on the football pitch for Leicester City as soon as possible or we need him out the door. But I think the easier thing to do would be get, to get him on the pitch the, the way that the transfers are looking at the minute. It's, it, it, they're so complex and there's so much kind of sort of tippy-tapping around and, and tiptoeing over, oh, no, you bid this and oh, we'll put this clause in. Yeah, it's just a load of rubbish. If Chelsea want the player, they know the price, pay the price, move on. If you're not going to pay the price, get him back on the football pitch. It's uh, it's very strange. You've got Bubakari Samare, apparently, uh, obviously wasn't in the squad yesterday, but his transfer fell through. Apparently there was a deal being done, there was rumours of of Crystal Palace being interested and obviously Monaco as well still and all that sort of thing. So it's it's a real mess. And then you look at the side itself and you kind of go like, well, where where are we in terms of where, where in that side are we okay? Uh, in goal, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, centre half, again. Amati in a back two. Really? Really? Are, are we going there? When you've and starting, got starting every Premier League game so far. That's the baffling bit. Keep him in the squad. Drop him in when you need him. Starting every Premier League game. 
Madness. Yep. And 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 that's not no 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 slide on him. It's just the situation you're in. You think, well, hang on, is, is that where we are? If so, Soyuncu is surely going to be out the door because if he can't start in a back two alongside Johnny Evans, the partnership that did ever so well in that season a few years back, then I, I don't know what. So why aren't they playing the back three? Okay, then the fullbacks. Justin, I think, has been okay, but I'd like to have seen more from the start of the season. Uh, Timothy Castagne, you could arguably say, is probably the best player, really, at the moment. Um, the midfield, the balance isn't right. I think they can start fine, but then as soon as a few changes are made, it just becomes all over the place. I'm not entirely sure where Dennis Pratt sits into the conversation. I've made my kind of feelings clear. I'd love how you've got Pratt, Tielemans and Timothy Castagna, three uh, Belgium internationals, how they haven't worked those three into the side as a bit of a Belgian angle, I don't quite know. But anyway, um, Jewsby Hall obviously been playing very well. And then the forward line, you've got Barnes coming back to full fitness. Uh, you've got Jamie Vardy signing a new two-year contract who, has he touched the ball? Has he been given a chance? It's 11 it times really against is. Southampton he touched the ball, Pete. 11 times. 11 times. Well, there you go. That kind of sums it up. So, the whole side's a bit of a mess. Now, a little bit kind of ranty, but I know saving penalties isn't the be-all and end-all because uh, Danny Ward's got a great record from penalties, etc. But I look at the way that he's been in goal for the first few games of the season, right? We know he made the mistake against Arsenal. Uh, yeah, really fault for the goals against any of the sides, really. But just the way he's commanded his area, as in he's not... Uh, the big telltale sign was uh, again. I do the the highlights for um for Southampton, so I did the highlights for Leicester game. If you know what I mean, and there was a corner in the second half from just in front of the away fans. So Ward Prowse, who if we could sign a player, oh, we we said at the beginning of the season, didn't we? We said this guy, this guy would fix a lot of problems. You know, dead ball scenarios, but also just a professional, really good, solid midfielder. Or, he would do a lot for Leicester. Anyway, corner from just in front of the away fans. Every player in the penalty area was in the six-yard box. Every single one. It was remarkable. And then Kocet, the, the the young centre-half. Again, what I was talking about, Southampton, they've got a load of um, of younger players and they're being given a chance to, to float. And if they sometimes, if they don't, they might sink or swim, should I say, really. But it's they might make the odd error here and there. But this guy's come in and just and, and has looked very good. He had a free header, which actually was going wide and then Vardy hit Vardy and then Vardy put it behind for another corner. Every player inside the six-yard box. I've never seen it before. That That speaks volumes. And you then look at what Everson did yesterday, faultless performance, saved on penalties. This is not just a young kid who's never played football before. Last season at Preston, a full season in the championship, highly rated, I'd get him in. I'd get him in the side. Who knows? He could, again, I've said so many times that the goalkeeper can fix issues at the back. He can be the goalkeeper who calms the centre-halves down. It can change an awful lot. Um, Ward's had his chance and... He's been okay, but I just don't think it's worked with the defence. They're still so shaky. And again, he's not commanded his area. So I would I would make the change. Now, would you throw Everson into an away game at Chelsea? Well, why not? Why not? What's Why not? But, oh, yeah, it could go, go horribly wrong. Of course it can. But I would make the change. I would bring this lad in. Um, the defence, again, I'm Martin a bat two. Play a bat three, and you put him on the right of the bat three, fine. But 
I, I just can't see it in a back two. There's no future there. There's no future of him. He might have a good game, but is he going to be your first choice centre half? He, he isn't, is he? Now, if Vestergaard comes in, for example, and has two or three good games, could he then be the established centre half alongside that? You can see, but he's not being given the chance. He's completely out of favour. He's done his own chances, no good at all by his displays. But again, you could see that as a first choice. Soyuncu, again, he plays as centre-half. And again, he's been very, very poor last season. But if he plays well and starts a nice run of form, he could easily be then the centre-half for the season alongside. You, but Armati will not be. He will not be that player. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing to say, but... But that's the way it is. So I just don't understand why he's being played. And then the rest of the side, the makeup of the midfield, again, all wrong. Madison's playing out of his skin. Without him so far, the the place would be even more of a mess. And it needs, it almost needs, even though we are creeping ever closer, I don't know what the date is today, what, the 24th or something. So we're creeping ever closer to that time. And we've got a game against Chelsea, but it needs sorting. It will be in terms of the transfer window. I've got massive problems with Samari. Obviously, we're not on the training ground. We haven't seen things. We don't know whether he likes it here or not. But I've just got the idea that he's going to turn up somewhere else and be amazing. And then you look at the forward line and you've got, Kelechi Inacho, Patson Dacker and Jamie Vardy. Three players who I think every single one of those players plays better with another player. We know Jamie Vardy can play up front in a three with Barnes flying on one side and whoever else on the right. We know that. They can get to the bar line, pull it back, Vardy scores. Vardy can play in any side in, in football. It, it doesn't matter. But I think right now, every single one of those three needs to be alongside another one of those two. You know what I mean? It needs to be either, it needs to be Vardy and Ineacho from the start and then Pats and Dacker off the bench. They need to play in a two. They need that because at the moment, the team's not working. We know Ineacho can do something out of nothing. I, that's what I would change. That's That's my kind of thinking of the current state of the side. And then when it comes to the, the attitude... That hopefully will change with a few players coming in. And also, by the time the transfer window goes, maybe a few heads being bashed together. Because at the moment, I've got the idea that Rodgers is kind of treading on thin ice around the training ground. Because he doesn't want to piss off Madison. Because he can go to Newcastle. He doesn't want to annoy one or two others. Yuri Tillemans, possibly. Because he might then decide, actually, I'll go to a club and we'll have to upset a lower bid. I just get to the moment he's playing, he's treading carefully because the squad at the moment is so finely balanced, it could tip over one way horribly. But, fingers crossed, we're not too far away from possibly having a fairly good squad going into what should have really been the start of the season, but unfortunately it's about five games old. Yeah, and then you're playing catch up, aren't you? I wouldn't disagree with anything that you've just said about individuals and, and positions and that kind of thing, but I will... Uh continue the slightly uh, less positive rants in terms of playing style because that for me was the most frustrating thing to come out of the Southampton game it's um the first one I've I've actually managed to commentate on in probably two or three years actually Leicester game with what with covid and uh, and being up in Sheffield that kind of thing so it was it was great to get myself back in uh back behind the mic as it were um but it was basically like uh, you and I, Pete, we've commentated on international friendlies before. Uh, it was it was like watching an international friendly 
where the players had no real desire to inject any pace into the game. They didn't really seem to be bothered whether they got the ball into the Southampton half or not. Uh, you know, in international friendlies, the result doesn't really matter. So the players didn't... I'm not saying that they didn't want to win the game, but it just... Nobody, as I mentioned earlier, grabbing the game by the by the scruff of the neck. The, the only player that even tried anything different or or would have a go at, at popping up in different areas was that man you mentioned, James Madison. And he must be very frustrated at the moment because he has obviously been mentioned. The, the rumour mill hasn't been spinning full pelt with the name Madison in it, but it's certainly been turning round and round this summer. And whatever sort of reasons he's been given to stay at Leicester, there he must be looking around him at the minute thinking, well, if these lads carry on playing like this... I'm probably going to be in a team that ends up finishing, I don't know, 12th, 13th, 14th in the Premier League. And the the possession stats flash up every now and again on the on the big screen. It's not something that we directly have access to in the in the press box. It's something that's beamed down to everybody. Uh, and at one point in the first half, Leicester are on 78% possession. And I looked up at that and I thought... Yeah, okay, I can see how that makes sense, but my goodness me, what have we done with it? Absolutely nothing. And the only time you can put it down a little bit to Southampton being well organised, hard working, fully committed. Again, we'll run that theme through the podcast again. This is all you want from a Leicester team. This is all anybody has ever wanted as a Leicester City fan is to watch players who look like they're trying their best. And every time that Leicester passed the ball into the Southampton half, it was into one of the midfielders who had their back towards the goal that they were attacking. So they're facing their own back four. And they had a Southampton player right up the backside. So the only thing that they could do was either knock it square to the fullback, who then has the same issue, or knock it straight back to one of the centre-backs, one of whom happens to be Daniel Amati. And that pattern of recycled rubbish happened for large periods of the game. Southampton weren't an awful lot better. They were a bit more direct. You know, if the ball is further up the pitch, you've got much more chance of forcing the opponent into a mistake or picking up a loose ball or them just miscontrolling something out for a throw-in and all of a sudden you've gained 60, 70 yards. I'm not saying Leicester need to lump the ball forward every single time, but how how successful has slightly more direct football been for us in the past? Very, very much so. And Vardy has proven, all right, maybe he's not quite as quick as he used to be, but he's proven that he can work in a system like that. Southampton bring on Adams, who absolutely bullied Amarty and Evans. The the young lad who played up front in the first uh, first hour or so, Mara, he, he had a good impact off the bench for Southampton, didn't he, against, was it Leeds, the game before... Great pass through for Walker Peters equaliser. Looks looks a good talent, but he's only a young lad. He wasn't about to to ruffle Johnny Evans' feathers. He didn't cause him any issues whatsoever. But Che Adams comes on. First thing he does is he backs himself right into Amati's chest and basically has him over. He doesn't then go on to lose many aerial duels against Evans or Amati. He looks after the ball. He lays it off, and then he's got desire and conviction in the penalty area to score his two goals regardless of what you say about the Leicester defending 
Che Adams has, has worked his socks off to get into those positions and he had a greater desire than any other Leicester player to make his mark on the game. And and that was that. It was it, it was very simply a player coming on for an, half an hour, wanting to prove that he should be starting in the team and pushing a few players about, making things happen for himself and showing a little bit of quality in the box. Now, Leicester at the moment are not showing that they're wanting to put themselves about. They're also not showing that quality in the box. And that's something that Brendan Rodgers said in the post-match press conference after beating Stockport on penalties. Now, yes, the team was much changed, but that's still mostly, you know, a couple of question marks over a few, but mostly Premier League footballers turning out in a Leicester shirt there and Premier League quality footballers. So why is that if, if they've not got the desire and they've not got the quality in the final third, it's no wonder that we're in the bottom three. Absolutely, it's it's poor. It's just all round poor. There there are side Southampton who can bring on different players. Aribo, Shea uh, Adams when he came on, sensational, really, absolutely sensational, and should have should have had a hat trick really. But it's it's um yeah, it's just worrying all round. That's what I'm saying with the, the disjointed nature of the squad. Those forwards, it's, you've got those three four now. Daka, he's going to be at the football club. He's young, fine. He scored goals last season, fine. And hopefully he will kick on. He's here for a long time. That's no problem. Vardy as well. I, I'm, I'm still slightly puzzled with Ianacho with his kind of future. He obviously likes it at the football club. He's happy, he's well paid, and he's playing Premier League football on occasion. But I'm I'm still bemused by his, his place in the squad. I, ju- I just don't get it at all. And I just don't think Rodgers likes him in the slightest. It's... It's incredibly disappointing. They need... If he goes and they bring in someone else, you know, a more maybe physical forward, which they haven't had at the club since Leo Ajoa, essentially. Now, we're talking about a side who, when playing their best stuff, can finish in the top four or five in the Premier League. But that's when they're going for games. That's where the old fearless stuff... I mean, can there be a worse motto for a football club at the moment? Fearless? Oh. Yeah, yeah. What? And as soon as they go in front, you know, they, they back off and are scared. Essentially, scared, scared from corners, scared from crosses. It's it's just a real mess, and it's a mess that if we just look at the manager, um, he needs to sort out. Now, does he want to? Does he have the ambition to go? I've gone as far as I can with Leicester. We've had brilliant seasons, but this is a real job on now. It sounds bonkers to be saying that because he's a very, very highly paid football manager and that's his job. And yes, of course, that's what he's got to do. But football is a funny world. You can decide you don't want to leave and go somewhere else. That's that's how it kind of works, isn't it? But I I don't want him to leave. I'm not a Rogers out person. But if he's got those doubts, then yes, he should leave. I've always said Ralph Hasenhut would be perfect because of the way he plays football. He could slot straight into this side. But it's... That's a real problem. And then when you look at his decisions, we know substitutions have been abysmal when he's actually made them. Uh, and then the fact that he's only used, I still go back to the opening day, quite what was going on there, absolutely no idea. So there has to be huge question marks about Rogers. But if you think that Rogers leaving the football club right now and someone else coming in, I don't know who, if this happened a couple of weeks ago and we knocked on Southampton's door, I'm pretty sure Ralph would have gone, yep, I'll have a trip up to the Midlands. But now, I don't know. 
who knows? Southampton could go on a nice winning run now, and he's got this young side, and who knows? But I mean, and and by the way, at, at this juncture, we'll have to mention it. But and I know people out there are on social media. Fine, I've seen possibly the most amount of garbage in the last say six days, five days or so online. There's been some completely bonkers takes on what's going on, and also people almost going from one side to the other in the space of two or three tweets and then pretending that they're an actual serious, you know, kind of comment on what's going on. It's balmy, absolutely balmy. There seems to be a lot of Poch talk, Pochettino. If you think Mauricio Pochettino is going to turn up at Leicester if Rogers leaves, let's say, tomorrow, then I've got a bridge to sell you. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. I've got a monorail to sell you. It's uh, <laughs> never in a million years is he going to rock up at Leicester clip that up if it turns up but it's that's not going to be the case and some wild names now I know we're a very good club but nah you what are you talking about absolutely bonkers but you're wanting then someone to come in and give it a shake-up you'd go for a dice would he come in fine I know a lot of supporters will be fine I quite like to see that but he would be one who you would say would come in and bang a few heads together, take, you know, give a few home truths, and also not really care about what people have done in the past. Is that what's needed? Yes, there'll be a lot of people saying yes out loud right now, listening to this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then do it, and if it does it, fine. But I, I can't see some of the names I've been mentioned. I think people will live in a, you know, too much in a fairyland, right? I think if you have. A, a, a ground extension and a huge budget then people might turn up at the football club if they turn around and said you've got 100 million to spend and you've got four weeks to do it then people might but that's not the case so then you look at the alternative which is keeping what we've got trusting the manager to actually sort this out and that's where we kind of lie do fans of Leicester do we trust Brendan Rodgers, to spend a bit of money that we might get in in a very, very quick time before the window closes. And if it goes well, great. And then him to sort the team out. But if it doesn't go well, do we trust him to turn it around? That's the question. Because I think the management upstairs will. I think they will because of his track record and his past history at the football club. And he's obviously very well liked by everyone. So I think that will be the case. But as supporters... I'm just saying after a few games to be singing sacked in the morning, I think that's premature because of what he's done and the manager he is essentially. I I would trust him to turn it around. Now, if he doesn't, then I'll be the first person to as, as soon as it reaches that, that line and it crosses. I'm watching a stupid garden programme at the moment. They're drawing a line on the, on the ground where I presume they're going to lay some turf. But if... One side of that line, all of a sudden, after a few horror displays with a brand new side or with changes being made, it doesn't work. And there's obviously big, big, big issues. Then I would be then the, the first to turn around and go, right, sorry, but we've got to move on. Uh, we're not at that stage yet for me. I don't think we are at all. Um, and that's my opinion. And I think I do. I do. Thinking about it now, I, I think singing sacked in the morning. I think that's pretty poor, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I can understand the frustration. Do I share the opinion? No. The The question, do we trust Rodgers? We asked ourselves that question 
at the very end of last season. And we said at the time, there is nobody else that we can see that would realistically come into Leicester and oversee the shake-up that's required. And also, they've got to come in. They might have a different system. They will have a different style of play. They might have different opinions on certain players. So we we kind of we agreed on the podcast, and I think a lot of our listeners let us know that they agreed as well. Keep Rogers, let him oversee the squad reshuffle in the summer, and because he knows where the gaps are, he knows where he needs to improve. He knows from working closely with this group of players for a number of years, he knows exactly where all of their heads are at. He knows who's thinking about a move. He knows who he's still going to get like the, the the top level of performance out of and who needs to be given a fresh challenge. He knows them inside out. So really after four games, has has my position changed on that? No. Am I beginning to ask a few more questions? Yes, of course. The, the, the doubt starts to creep in with, with poor performances and... and, and and I think it comes across a bit too nice. You can't imagine Brendan Rodgers getting on a, on the training ground and saying, Oi, you, you had a bit of a shocker. You need to do this. Oi, you as a sort of collective of three or four players there that operate in the same area of the pitch. We, you need to do more of this. You need to, to run more. You need to, to win more second balls, blah, blah, blah. I can imagine him presenting it on a nice slideshow with a load of statistics, but can I imagine him actually just giving the players a bit of a a bit of a talking to and a bit of a sort of ruffling roughing up? No, and I like you have seen the list of potential replacements, and and looking at it, Leicester can't afford to sack Brendan Rodgers. First of all, financially they probably can't because they've got no money to spend on players. Have they got money to spend on on the severance package of of calling this contract a few years early. I don't think they have. Or if they do have that money in reserve somewhere, if it comes out of a different pot, whatever, they've got to be absolutely certain it's the right decision because it's going to be expensive. He's, he's one of the top paid managers in the Premier League. But I don't think they can afford to, to sack him at the moment from a footballing point of view either because, like you said there, some of the names have been that have been linked by supporters, let me add, by social media folk by keyboard warriors, not by actual credible sources. But some of the names mentioned are just unrealistic. And then there's others I genuinely saw, and whether they were trying to get a nibble from me or what, I I don't actually actively participate in social media much. I just kind of look. But some people genuinely put in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on a list of potential managers to bring in. My goodness me, that'd be a terrible decision, wouldn't it? You, you probably would if you were thinking, right, we're stuck with this squad of players. Who's worked on a budget before and who has basically managed to keep a team performing at a high level just by making them work hard and tackle hard and run hard? Sean Dyche has. Now, you're looking at it in terms of calibre of manager, it would be a big step down from Brendan Rodgers. I don't think many people would disagree with that. So... If if Rogers did go, then I wouldn't be against somebody like that coming in to to sort of shake things up a little bit, knowing full well that a lot of managers would look at the lack of transfer activity and say, look, if you don't give me X amount of money to reshape this squad, I'm not coming because they're just going to sit there and do it, and probably there'll be a new manager bounce for about five games. But other than that, what are they going to be able to achieve that Brendan Rogers can't achieve? But 
it, it needs to it does need to be changed by Rogers. He needs to earn his money now, essentially. Yes, he's one of the highest paid managers in the Premier League. Tactically, he's usually very good. He's obviously managed at, at high levels before, but this is where you earn your money. On the football, pa- football pitch, in those 90 minutes, and you've got to make those players shut out all the noise around you. That is That is your job. It is, and that's what I was talking about when I was saying about walking on eggshells around some of the players on the training ground because of their possible futures in the next six to seven days. But but then it comes to a second way. Hang on, you're you're the manager of the football club. You should be making these decisions, and you should be the guy along with your team who has now established what formation what style that Leicester are going to play. If it's the way that we've played for the last three years or so, fine, stick with it. Stick with that as your first team. That doesn't include Daniel Armati in the back too, but there we go. And also, if that means that certain players are now on the sideline, then put them on the sideline. Let them know. And if they are, they should have gone by now. I'm looking at the likes of a Pratt. If he doesn't like him, Send him off. Get him. Get him sold. I, that's that's what I don't get. I look at that side and I look at the way that Iosi Perez starts, and you go, well, this is a guy who started through a couple of seasons of, and I know it wasn't in the greatest uh, position for him, and I know he wasn't the greatest player in that position, but you know, I think you would you would kind of put effective possibly down as a, as a word to describe him. Well, if that's the way, if we're going back to basics, play him in that position. And then you bring him into all of a sudden he just turns up and, and plays from the start out of after being kind of out, out in the wilderness. That's what I don't get. I you look at that team and you go, well, where's he come from? How has he just all of a sudden started? I, I, I don't simply and it's from players who have been there for a quite a while. You can kind of allow it with some of the really new signings, but whether they've worked out or not, that's that's the that's the key thing. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And also, there's so many different angles to approach this from, which I think we've done fairly well, to be perfectly honest. I know we've kind of rinsed the kind of Rogers area, but then again, he's the manager of the football club. We've gone through the side and what we would kind of change, etc. Um, and what, I mean, I'd love to, I don't that's one question I ask you, Rob. I mentioned about, I kind of went through the side in terms of positions and not just who I'd like to play, because that's a very simple, oh, I'd like him to play instead of him. But I think you agree with me on the... Um, on the Amati thing. But what do you think about the goalkeeper? Um, I, I, I look at Everson and go, well, I look at what Ward has done. I just don't, I can't see a step down from putting him in. I can't see any bad thing. If it goes horribly wrong, then you can always change and then you can maybe come back. But I can't see it being too much of a gamble. No, it's not. But what I what I will say overall on the goalkeeper situation before I give you my final answer, I can't believe we're in this situation where we had an established... That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, we had an established number one who was performing at the top of his game for most weeks by the odd little blip, international, club captain, uh, real proper leader, great character. There's no chance his, his departure was a surprise to anybody. And I can't... I genuinely can't sit here and believe that Brendan Rodgers actually believes himself that Danny Ward is a number one goalkeeper. I, I just can't see it. He's played reasonably well for Wales, but, you know, look, look at the Welsh team. It's, it's full of players that have played their hearts out for Wales because of like the hardship underdog, 
playing for your nation, whatever, who have never replicated that for their clubs. Danny Ward has not been a number one goalkeeper anywhere for, for years. He was very, as bench goalkeepers go, he was quite expensive, only 12 million, something like that from Liverpool a few years ago. I just can't understand how you want to continue to build on the success of the football club where you finished fifth, fifth and eighth and won an FA Cup and you lose your club captain, talisman, number one goalkeeper and you're faced with this dilemma four games into the season, three games into the Premier League season. It is baffling. Same as your starting matches with Daniel Amati in the Premier League. It's not a side that, that people would be fearing. It's not a side that people would be looking at going, oh, they're serious about finishing high up in the league again. It's a side that looked like they're going to limp along to something in 13th, 14th place. It it just doesn't f- instill any confidence in us. doesn't instill any fear in the opposition. Um, I think dropping Ward is a, is a big call. The reason for that is because he was given the number one shirt. Rogers publicly backed him. Rogers started the season with him. And if you drop him now, early doors for Everson, for whatever reason Danny Ward then needs to play again for Leicester, whether Everson makes a couple of clangers out of form, injured, suspended, whatever, you've got a goalkeeper there whose confidence is completely shot in Danny Ward if you drop him straight away. So... For me, I don't see an awful lot of difference in the quality between Ward and Everson. So for that reason, and for the reason of him being slightly more experienced, I would stick with Danny Ward for now. Yep. Well, that's 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 fine. It's um, it is it is all a bit of a mess. I mean, you look back to Schmeichel, like you said, and you think, well, you know, almost did he just look round and go, yeah, now now's a good time because things aren't quite right, and you know, with the window, etc., and just the, the way the squad is. I've got this nice offer from Nice and there you go. Cheerio. Um, it's looking like a good decision at the moment. But yeah, it's it's, it's a funny old game, isn't it? You know, you, I, I think the, the the comments made by a lot of people saying, hey, how is this football club being ruined? What's gone on? Oh, it's all gone horribly wrong. I think it might be a bit over the top. Give me, give me seven days on that, Rob. Give me seven days because... If at the end of this window, and I know transfers aren't everything because we've got a very talented squad and they should be playing better, but at the end of all this, at the end of the window, if it's still the same and the squad's still a mess, etc., then, yeah, I would then get on board with that. Like, what is actually going on there? Um, But at the moment, I think it's got to do with an awful lot. I think if you look at every... If you were to line up every single thing at the moment, play inside, off the field, individuals, styles, tactics, in performances, whatever you like to do with football and to do with Leicester, everything that we could possibly comment on or talk about today. I think you could, and you could do this anyway, but I think at the moment with Leicester, there's a very broad line between that and the transfer window. I, I think a lot of it has to do with that. An awful lot has to do with it. Um, so we've just got to bide our time, haven't we? We've just got to wait and see, and hopefully it all kind of sorts itself out. Now, in time for the game against Chelsea? Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, they're another bit of a mess, aren't they? We're not the only club in, in, the, in the Premier League that are a little bit of a mess. You look at United and the way that they've kind of handled the transfer window and, and they've brought in a player now, but they're going to bring in probably more and it's all still a bit disjointed. 
uh, away from the sides who did their big business. You can look at Chelsea, obviously after Fafana and after who who you know anyone who can breathe and kick a football. Chelsea look like they want to sign, even though. I think they've got still about a million players on the books. I don't quite get why they're buying trying to buy Gordon for all that money. But anyway, it's Everton, another club that's a right mess. There's 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 plenty out there who are kind of suffering with this window, etc. But at the moment, it really is just having a massive effect on us. The game itself, Rob. I mean, realistically, what can you see? Well, realistically, I didn't see Chelsea getting beaten at the weekend. And that happened. So, what can what can I see happening? Um, what I'd like to see is a reaction similar to the one that Manchester United um, displayed against Liverpool on Monday night. They were outrun United by the most kilometers by the uh, by their opponents um, since Opta started gathering that stat thirteen kilometers or something. So Ten Hag cancels the day off, makes them run that much. And then they all of a sudden they bang up for a game against Liverpool, who obviously aren't in the greatest of form anyway, um, and they get the victory. What we need to see is a reaction from Leicester. Do I think Leicester are going to win the game? No, I don't. Um, but I'd just like to see a bit of guts and a bit of resilience defensively and a bit of endeavour going forward. We're not really asking for much. We're just asking you for, for you to try a bit harder at both ends of the pitch. Uh, if we could come out with a point, I'd be absolutely, I'd be surprised and I'd be pleased. But what can we expect? I would, um, ex- I would think we can expect more of the same because I don't see that anything will have changed between uh, Saturday's game against Southampton, Tuesday's game against Stockport, and this weekend's game against Chelsea. I, c- I can't see what has changed in a week. Now, I mean, I should really, I presumably should have looked at this beforehand, actually. But um, do you know when the transfer window actually closes? I would imagine it's the last day of August, but I also don't know for sure. It's the first. I was just about to say uh, the one possible bright outlook on the horizon is the fact that we don't play on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. We play on Thursday at home against United on Thursday nights, the first of September. Turns out the transfer window, and I was like, I was going to say, well, uh, on the Wednesday it means we can do all the business under the sun, uh, if we want to, last minute jobs, whatever, without a game of football being played. But it looks like we've been hampered again because it actually closes on the Thursday night at eleven, just after we've played. So God knows what the prep's going to be for that transfer window deadline day, and, and you've you're got on a the game pitch to an hour play. before the uh, the window closes. Substitution for Leicester. Off comes for Farner. Why is that? Because he's got to get on in a helicopter and go down to <laughs> to Cobham Training Ground because he's signing for Chelsea because they've made an eighty million pound bid. It's, I mean, it's farcical, really, isn't it? It's unbelievable. You look at it and go, well, hang on. I know why we're playing on that day for obvious reasons, but. Why are we playing on that bloody day? It's um, I mean, that's crackers. That's That sums it all up, doesn't it? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I've just checked now. September the 1st at 11 o'clock. I mean, that's that's a mess. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what uh, situation the club's in. Um, it's never going to be good if you've done all your business, but maybe a few loans here and there, whatever. Um, some of the younger players. It's still not great. That deadline day itself... Because I'd imagine most clubs would have offers made for players, even if they're not going to sell and they're 
they're completely comfortable and they just say no. But you will be turning down offers. There might be players who become available or offered. You go, mm, yeah, whatever. But then to have a game that day is a com- is a real mess. For it to be a Premier League game and to be a home game against Manchester United. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I didn't realise that. I thought we were going to be... Everyone else is going to be playing on the Wednesday night and we were like, okay, it's fine because we can sit there, do a bit of business if possible. But yeah, they'll all be doing their business and, and that, well, we're, you know, sat doing trying to do football manager stuff. Obviously, you look at it from a kind of a more of a sensible point of view and you go, well, surely the people in the background can do all that and, and the main first team squad will be focused on the game. But they know their place. You know, we're talking about the whole squad here. You know, you don't have just the 16 players anymore or whatever it's it's the full squad and they're going to be looking around going you know what I mean someone's throwing me up saying Newcastle want me someone's throwing me up saying I could go to Everton during a day where you've got to be concentrating on Manchester United at home where I'd imagine looking at their side probably the majority of their team are going to be fine with actually being at Man United they're not really going to be concerned with it so um yeah that's got distraction written all over it hasn't it it has, and if we've attributed a large percentage, not all of it, but a large percentage of the opening three games in the Premier League, the form in those games being so poor, if we've attributed that to all of the uncertainty, to the lack of ins and outs, then having a game when there still could be ins and outs happening, you could, in theory, you could agree a deal for a player that's currently on the pitch you could agree it while they're playing against Manchester United. They could walk off the pitch and say, oh, by the way, um, as long as you say yes to your agent who's going to sign the forms now, that was your last game for us. It's, it is. That is absolutely baffling. I, I stand by, um, I think Danny Murphy and a few other pundits, not too many, but a few have said, look, regardless of when the season started and, and when it finished last season, whatever, the window should close before the season starts. I don't see any reason whatsoever for this to be happening now. I'm not saying Leicester are the only victims of it, but you you should start the season knowing exactly who's who, who's playing for who, and that's that's your lot until January. Then the window reopens for a month. Everybody knows about that window. That's fine. That one closes at the end of January, and then you've got who you've got until the summer. I'd, we shouldn't have to deal with this kind of rubbish, especially that, like you've just said, I didn't realise myself that it finished on September the 1st, and that's just really kind of put uh, upset our plans, really, for Leicester to reset on September the 1st, doesn't it? After reset on September the 2nd, after we've been, been beaten by Manchester United and we're still winless in the league, eh? Yeah, it's it's a farce. The, the 7th of September, sorry, 7th of August was the first game. It could have been the midweek after that. You could have said, right, we'll have one game and then, you know, the Tuesday can be transfer deadline day or Wednesday or even all the way up to the Friday, the day before the game, the second game of the season. But you can't have it dragging on for, what, five games or so. There was a, I remember there was a, a Plenty of anti-post bets beforehand regarding players to do so-and-so in August. And I kept on looking at the amounts that they were looking at, like goals and that. I was like, that's not a lot. I was like, How? that's a lot of stuff to happen in August. We've only got a couple of games. We have five games. So how you can have it after that? Yeah, no, well, not good, but what do you expect? So um, shall we end on a positive? Have you got one? No. <laughs> I, I have one more thing to say. Go on. Um, we won't do FPL, um, but uh, we still we still it, wasn't. Um, 
the away kit. The fact that it was on sale on the website before the publicity stuff was launched and the fact that we've played a number of games. Who knows what? Who knows what decision, whether it's to do with the deliveries, whether it's to do with whatever. I know there's been a bit of an issue with, with companies getting the kits to the clubs. But ultimately, it's still poor that this far into a football season, and it goes with the third kit, clubs and Leicester, we didn't have an away kit or a third kit until last week, and now this week for an away kit. Um, what do I think of it? Nah, not nice. Black with what luminous kind of blue and green bits on it. Yeah, nah. I mean, I might see it. In, I don't like the cut. Whatever. Nah, I don't really like it at all. Also, I was a bit kind of um, 50-50 with the away kit. The third kit, sorry. The the white with the gold and all that sort of thing. Um, obviously, they played in it, didn't they, on uh, against Stockport? Because they needed to, because it was the only thing they could wear. Uh, don't like it. It looks absolutely hideous. I've changed my mind. The shirt itself, on its own, might be okay, you know, if you buy it, wear it. I don't know. I've not seen it in person. But as a full kit, bleh. That's disgusting. Um, there we go. Fashion corner. I'm looking at the away kit, right? And and I'll put a disclaimer out there. I've had a, a bit of a dodgy eye for a couple of weeks. I, I went to the hospital about it earlier. I'm fine. Don't worry. I just still can't oh, see. How did, how did commentary go on Saturday <laughs> at King Power? <laughs> Do you know what? I was looking at um, a few of the Southampton players when they were lining up for, for their warm-ups. Lavia, Mara um, and Aribo. And you know, I couldn't. I've only got my left eye is fine at the minute. My right eye is quite blurry, and I was having to feverishly note down anything about their hair color or their boots that I could see quickly at a distance because I couldn't clock the numbers on them uh, quickly enough. Um, so it was it wasn't as easy as commentaries have been. But I'm looking at the picture right now. This is the first time I've seen it on a white background because all the publicity was in you know mood lighting and all that on social media, but. You know the the bit that looks like the checkered flag on the Formula One um, on a racetrack is that that's black and white. Is it around the collars and around the tops of the sleeves? And then the sponsor and the Adidas stripes are in that kind of pale turquoisey thing. Is that is that right? I think so. I've only seen the ones the the publicity shots I'm looking at now. If you could see me it, right it, now, I'm genuinely closing my right eye to try and look look with my left, and it's not really. It looks really white. Good, it does look white, doesn't it? it? it it looks white, which which might be all right, but if it was white, it looks like a training top. I tell you that right now, it looks like a training top rather than a kit. But yeah, you know, it's just. I mean, I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting a world class kit every year. But you know what we could have done? We could have done with Ed Sheeran designing ours. He's designed the helped design the Ipswich third kit. That looks actually looks all right. That has he really? It's um. I don't, I don't know. I, I I just look back and go, well, why isn't the away kit gold and the third kit white? And if you want to make a change once in, every now and again, and it becomes like a oh, like the like the pink kit. I always go back to the pink kit, a massive success. But it was kind of a oh right pink. Well, why not have gold kit away kit, white kit third kit for a few seasons, and then you drop a pink shirt, and it is that kind of wow. At the moment, they're just kind of going. The Leicester kits now just just very much of a meh but um the one thing with with Southampton actually just to kind of hop on them again uh it's the fact that they can have and they did in their start uh, at one point against um Cambridge yesterday they had Adam Armstrong they had Stuart Armstrong and they had oh no sorry Stuart Armstrong Adam Armstrong 
and then Shay Adams. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, for God's sake. And then you've got a Ward Prowse and a Walker Peters, which I know they're two very separate players, but that's still two double barrel names beginning with W. You've got Adams is everywhere, whether it's first names or last names, two Armstrongs. <laughs> they're, they're a real side. Right, you do highlights commentary on Southampton. I did it live, so I've got no sympathy <laughs> for you. You can re-record as many times as you like. I was I was in the moment And there, I did. And at a distance, trying to see with one good eye. Oh, and another thing. I don't quite know how well he played against Leicester. I think he was okay. Um, but there was a lot of kind of upturned noses. And I'll, I'll you know, wh- whether you knew that there was a link there. But there was a link with... Um, Elianusi from Southampton. I'm not being funny, but Elianusi has played very, very well this season, a very skillful player, and would be a great addition to the Leicester side. And I think a lot of people maybe got a slightly, you know, kind of like toffee-nosed about it and went, oh, a player like him being linked with Leicester, what's that about? He's a very, very good player and someone actually who could fit in and do a real job for Leicester at the moment. I don't think we're in any position to kind of turn our nose up at anything. I mean, to say that, who's going to sign for his God knows. But it's, um, yeah, there's 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 a few players out there who at the moment would make Leicester a such a good side. We know Shea Adams has played brilliantly and we played brilliantly when he came on against Leicester. It'd be great to have, really great to have him anyway. They're obviously a Leicester lad, but it's, um, yeah, there's issues there. There's issues. You just look around the Premier League and you look at these sides, and they've got plenty of different options. And Leicester have got a very strong bench, but when it comes to different type of players, we don't quite have that. Uh, I mean, there's a number of players out there who who knows. I, I'm very interested to see what happens with Brozier at Chelsea, because I'm surprised they he went back there and they kind of said, "Oh, we'll, we'll have you in our in our first team squad and use you as a player this season." I I thought at times for Southampton until. It all kind of went wrong towards the end of the season. He was borderline unplayable and I think would be an excellent signing. And I think a lot of clubs will be looking at him. But I just think at the moment, the way the side is, I think it needs a different direction. And I'm not saying about the manager. I'm looking at the style, but also just adding that kind of curveball in there. Whether it's a big man, whether it's a bit of a change around, having two up top, I always say Kelechi Inacho with his goal-scoring record, he makes things. We know what a player is. He scores goals. He also creates goals. I can't understand why he's not being given a run in the side. Oh, I think I, I, They complement each other very, very well. But there we go. I, I, that's, what, that's how I like to finish, Rob. Just I think it needs a bit of a different direction, but maybe not from the manager's seat as yet. Well, let's hope the manager's sitting in his seat right now listening to this and taking your advice on board. Hope so. Or I'll, I'll be down there. I'll, I'll, I'll apply for it. I can handle 10 million a year. 